SMQBs, episode 58. Will Smith goes all March Madness at the Oscars, and we had to talk about it. Then we cover the actual March Madness. Is this the greatest Final Four of all time, or is it just a boring collection of the same old, same olds? Uh, we also talk about can you root for your friend's team if it's your rival? I don't know about that. We have our first mailbag episode, Punchable Face of the Week. A lasso that was worthy of a lasso and one that was more worthy of a punchable face of the week. Quick hitters. SMQBs, this is episode 58 of the SMQBs. The and... episode. No, no. Oh, uh, no. I don't think so. We're going with a mm-hmm. four-time Super Bowl champ, NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1976. Come on, guys. NFL, you get this. It's Jack Lambert. Lambert. It is hey, Jack Lambert. Yes. Lambert. It, it has to be Jack yeah. Lambert. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Somebody so the, ori- the originator from linebacker you. Six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, nine-time Pro Bowler, uh, all-decade team of the 70s and the 80s, 75th anniversary all-time team, NFL 100th anniversary all-time team, all-rookie team, yada, yada, yada. Wow. On and on and on. Pretty impressive uh, career there, huh? Was it all-teeth team? Who did, was it one team he played for or multiple or what? One. Played, played for the Steelers. Steelers. That's it. Just 74 to 84. Popularized the neck roll. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So pretty uh, impressive career. This is your Jack Lambert episode of the SMQBs. And I got to start with a faux pas for House. House, you can't can't double letter. You're wearing a 76ers hat and a 76ers sweatshirt. It's getting down. It's getting crucial right now. You we, can't we, we do that. We have to, whatever I can do to get the first seed in the East. He's not wearing a jersey. So that's Don't good. break that's, out the snowman, whatever you do. I guess that's true. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's, right. that's in Washington Ru- now. <laughs> that ruined Wentz's career. Yeah. Also yeah. got us a Super Thanks. Bowl. Thanks. So, uh, look, this is a sports podcast. We all know that. And we're going to cover a little boxing to get things rolling today. And it just happened to have been at the Oscars last night. And look, it's really, it's not in our wheelhouse necessarily, but it's too good to not have to bring this up. It's in your wheelhouse. If you don't don't know this, well, I mean, if you don't know this uh, at this point, you probably are living under a rock, but uh, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, but, But last night at the Oscars, uh, Chris Rock was getting ready to to read off some nominees uh, for some award, one of the awards, and took a shot at Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, uh, for her. She has her head shaved now, and he took a shot at her by saying he was very much looking forward to G.I. Jane 2 coming out. Um, and everybody laughed, including Will, except the problem with it is, is that uh, – Jada Pinkett Smith has a medical condition uh, called, I guess it's alopecia. If I said it right, I think I got yep. it right. Um, yep. Which loses her hair and she's losing her hair. And it's something that she's been pretty open about 
over the last two years and sort of talking about dealing with it and and you know kind of how she's gone through um you know the struggle of of losing your hair as a woman which uh, it's okay as a guy most guys look uh, better when they shave their heads as everybody knows well, i don't know about so that yourself it's a little more some of us can relate to this yeah right? a little, Sounds a little a biased little, yeah but anyway so will smith does the logical thing when a man on stage at a uh, televised event going out to 100 million people across the globe. And he stands up and walks up onto the stage and open palm slaps Chris Rock right there. And then what a lot of people didn't necessarily see, because the U.S. feed, I guess, cut away somehow, but it, the Japanese feed saw it. He then <laughs> sat down and told Chris Rock to leave his wife's name out of his fucking mouth uh, and said it a few times. And uh, like a madman, too, though, he was like screaming it with, yeah. you know, like the like the veins in his forehead bur- bulging out. So anyway, that's the that's the setup for it. What, what do you guys think? Is it OK to go up there and just cold cock this guy on the stage? Well, how, about, how about a little context? What is G.I. Jane for anybody who may not know? It's the Navy SEAL movie with, with uh, Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I think the joke was in poor taste. Uh, you don't make fun of somebody for a disability or, you know, a medical condition. Uh, you know me, I mocked Trump when he did that to the to the guy with cerebral palsy. I thought it was disgusting. This wasn't that bad, but still, it's on the same plane. I, I'm not down with that unless unless you unless you think it's funny that Bill Simmons can't pronounce player, which I think is funny. But um, <laughs> other, other than that, I think it's not cool. Um, but there's no way that the response was appropriate. There's just no way. And then the, the, the other part of, of what Will Smith did that night that was so bad was his apology. His apology was completely insincere. He got up there and blamed the devil for it and then um, never apologized Satan? to Chris to Rock. Chris Rock. And then laughed, then laughed after his apology and walked off the stage and went partying with her, you know, to the after after uh, show party. So he hook up with. Right. I don't know. He's he's going to suffer for this, I'm sure, as he should. The problem with these guys is you never know if they're being sincere or they're acting. I mean, this is what they do for a living. So you don't know. I don't know. It seemed like a pretty sincere Slap to the face. He did like a sincere <laughs> yeah. laugh at the joke, too. Will Smith is one of these like uh, guys that's popular here because he held on to his Philly roots. I mean, the whole Fresh Prince of Bel Air like came out of West Philly, like the whole thing. Everybody knows the song and everything like that. Yeah. So, like, he's pretty beloved here. But let me tell you something that is not, that's not the headlines in this area today. Like, what a jackass. Like, we want to disown him. Uh, yeah. Like the worst situational awareness I've ever seen. Like, does he really not appreciate that when he went up on stage that a hundred million people are watching this and he's nominated for a best actor later? Like he just had lost it at that moment, completely lost it. And I didn't Bison, didn't you say that you saw this movie that he was nominated for? Yeah. Oh, he, well, well, that's one of the things I was gonna raise. First of all, the the movie was excellent and he was he was excellent in it. I'm not surprised that he won. Uh, the Oscar. Um, I almost wondered if he was like holding on to his character too tight huh. because he said it in his speech that uh, 
uh, Richard Williams was a fierce defender of his family. That was his quote when he went up tearfully mm. to accept it. And I mean, based on the movie, at least it's a tr- true statement. I mean, that guy bore the brunt of everything. So his family could have, you know, everything, every opportunity. Uh, and, and he did some dumb shit. Or the, the father did it. You know, it seemed like he was really high strung and, uh, but he was a fierce defender of his family. And I, I have to say, you know, you hear about these actors who who get into their role and they get in too deep and and and, you know, they they can't let go of it. I, I that crossed my mind is like, man, was this Will Smith or was he like in character and, and just lost it? Um, I mean, I'm not making it OK. I'm just saying it was so strange. It was so it was just such a weird thing that I, I almost wondered if that has something to do with it. Um, to I me, the breaking the, the worst part about it was was going out and being you know f- photographed all night at all the after parties and everything. He has um, no remorse. Where he was, he didn't give a shit. No, so. still he still doesn't. No. I mean, I I give credit to Chris Rock. Okay, yeah, maybe the joke fell flat, but look, Hollywood guys make fun of themselves all the time. Will Smith's a comedian. He makes fun of other Hollywood people. Okay, maybe it hit a little bit too close to home because of her alopecia and you know maybe that's a little over the top but it certainly like rooster said didn't warrant the response in fact will smith if you look at the video he was laughing at chris rock's joke until he looked over and saw jada had a scowl on her face and that's when he got up exactly chris rock i mean he did say you know he just slapped the shit of me on tv or something like that but he could have done a lot worse i mean he could have skewered Will Smith on national on international TV by saying, "Oh, good to know where you draw the line." I mean, right. you can you know sleep with other women, that's okay. But if I make fun of your wife, that's where you well, draw the line. Yeah, he yeah, could have so, done that. I'm not, I'm not, he could have. What he could have done is called him I'm, a psycho or something. Right. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not sure you have that right. That about Will Smith and and this open marriage thing. Yeah, that doesn't I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't go there. Seem to be a, a correct uh, reporting of the facts. Apparently, yeah, but Pope, no, Pope, I think it's why that was her idea. Well, that was, first of all, it was her idea. He was Pope's point is, is well taken. That the point is that Chris Rock at that point could have shifted to any other joke after getting whacked across his face, right. and almost anything he would have said would have been just as poor taste as what he just did. Look, the whole. His he turned job. the other cheek. He turned the other cheek, literally. Chris Rock's job as MC of the Oscars is to make people laugh in an endless ceremony of a lot of just, oh, droning on and on and on. And he's damn good at it. And they all know. And Will Smith has sat in the audience as is Jada Smith sat in the audience to hear other people get roasted. Mm-hmm. Like the, it was funny when other people get roasted. I jackass i i i I mean look again the the response is outrageous there's no question about it and and you know then going out and partying all night but i don't know i i think uh i haven't heard chris rock apologize for you know making light or making a joke about someone's medically diagnosed condition and i and i think that's i don't think that's appropriate you don't you don't go after someone for a medical condition um but I, i mean he shouldn't have gotten slapped in the face either so well, i don't think comedians should apologize well, for making jokes was it a next punch time, or a, was it a punch or a slap did we decide it was a slap yeah yeah it was a pretty slap, hard slap which, though know, it made next a good time rooster yeah. makes fun of me for losing my hair i'm gonna slap him across the face i'll give you now that would be you can have a free punch 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm scared to punch you. You don't go Wait. down. Yeah, but he would be scared if Natalie took a punch at him because well, she was probably. defending you. Yeah, he'd poke right. you with one of those long she'd fingers. She'd knock the shit out of him. That's right. Natalie would. Well, oh, she would laugh. So in the meantime, the the side effect, the side effect of uh, of Will Smith um, going all Mike Tyson on Chris Rock is that we're leading off our show and the whole country's talking about the Oscars and not about the final four that has been uh, set up. Uh, House, uh, what do you think of the of March Madness and where we're sitting today? Oh my God, this is this is college basketball nirvana. I mean, if you're a purist, then I think you all should have listened because all of our longtime listeners heard Brian Pope on April sixth, twenty twenty one, after the Final Four was over, announce in his. Pope prognostication. Pope Pope Pradamus. 2022 will be the return of the Blue Bloods. And here we have the final four of pretty much close to the Mount Rushmore of college basketball, certainly in modern times. I mean, you can say what you want about Kentucky of 20 years ago or whatever, but in modern times, it's hard to get better than Kansas, Vill- Kansas Villanova. Duke and North Carolina. Are you kidding me? And what's so unbelievably crazy, I literally think 80% of the country did not know, including all of us but Pope, that Duke and North Carolina have never, ever, ever, ever faced Insane. each other in Insane. the tournament. That's crazy. And their first time the facing four. each other is going to be in a national semifinal in Coach K's final year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. More people yeah. watching than the Oscars. Nuts. Heads nuts. Heads exploding. In, yeah. In that eight mile stretch in in uh, between Chapel Hill and Durham. Just unbelievable. I mean, so so he, I mean, like, here are the storylines. Do, does Jay Wright take the torch from Coach K and become the greatest coach now with three championships in six years? Does Hubert Davis as a rookie coach upend Coach K? Again, and send the Dukies home crying. Mm. Does Bill Self get the monkey off his back and stop choking and wins in the final four? Does does Coach K end it with the greatest curtain call of all time for the greatest coach of all time with the final championship in his final year? I mean, holy shit. Which storyline do you guys want to see? Hope Hope, you do you think, that, you think UNC <laughs> Duke are even the same teams we saw when, when UNC ran them out at what was it uh, ninety four to eighty one? They both seem like they're better since then. Well, I I, w- I would say that Carolina is very close to being that team still. They obviously that game gave them unbelievable confidence going forward. Uh, I mean, obviously they lost to uh, Virginia Tech, but then Virginia Tech turned around and beat Duke in the ACC tournament. So other than that, I mean, that's been their last bad game, uh, and they're playing with an amazing confidence right now. And you know. Hubert Davis has has overcome amazing odds uh, at the beginning of the year when he they were getting smoked by Purdue and Tennessee, uh, Kentucky by by twenty or more points uh, to get here. Um, and I realize, you know, obviously Carolina's a blue blood, got six national championships, hoping to put another banner up in Chapel Hill this year. But nobody, nobody thought they had a chance to even get barely to the Sweet Sixteen, let alone the Final Four. Uh, so look, 
Duke is playing their best basketball of the year. Uh, K, it's almost kind of like, yeah, we ruined K's going away party at Cameron, but we also lit a fire under their ass. And yeah. K has even even admitted that he kind of has approached different approach to his team now, the way that after Carolina smoked him in Cameron. And so, you know, they're playing uh, as an inspired basketball now as a result of what happened in their embarrassment. Um, let me let me speak just for a minute from a Carolina fan, nut fan perspective. This game scares the shit out of me because Carolina had done the ultimate in bragging rights, which is is spoil Coach K's swan song at Cameron Stadium and in, in, indoor in front of the entire you know basketball world. It was set up uh, and Delicious. they just yeah, and they just they shit all over it, right? So the only way that Duke, from a bragging rights standpoint, can ever come back from that is to win the ultimate game, which is first time they ever play in the NCAA tournament. Winner doesn't take all because obviously Kansas Villanova uh, would be a formal opponent on Monday night. But the but you know the the winner of that game goes on to uh, play in the national championship, just like House said. Coach K goes away with a national championship, capping his amazing career. Or does Hubert Davis? You know, is he the one uh, in replacing Roy Williams and Dean Smith and the the next uh, one to win a national championship for Carolina? Um, there will never be another game like this in Carolina Duke history. I'm uh, fingers crossed going to be in NOLA uh, on uh, Saturday. Can't, can't possibly miss this game. Um, well, if you know what this game is, is called? What is this game called? This game is called Karma. And North Carolina is fucked because <laughs> yeah. of the glee. Because of just the pure... Joy uh, and glee uh, you all showed mm. for beating for for winning that game and you're right for ruining his yeah. moment at Camden. Sure. You are screwed. Karma is going to come around and it's gonna it is going to kick you in the pants. And Kay's going to win this game and then win the national championship. But by the way, I do love the ACC hubris that Pope just let let squeak out the side of his mouth without even knowing it. Talking about. Does Kay ride off in the sunset winning the national championship or does Hubert Davis forgetting the fact that they're going to have to go through Kansas or Villanova? No, Villanova, I mentioned that. Is, Villanova's been a better program than both North Carolina and Duke over yeah, the last six yeah, years. Yeah. So. By the way, Nova, Nova also lost to Purdue and UCLA and Baylor, but that doesn't matter because all that matters is how, how, how they're playing. playing now. But what yeah. how, how's, how are they going to play without Justin Moore? Yeah. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, the truth is this has been, this has been a six player team the entire year. This isn't like some deep bench team. He's gone with his constants and he's rode them really hard. And he has just mastered the art of ball movement, ball fake, everything. But Justin Moore was their second leading scorer uh, behind Jermaine Samuels. And I don't know. I mean, they're asking just in another crazy storyline, Everybody remembers the name Ryan Archidiacono. Right. Well, the, yeah. repl- the replacement for Justin Moore in this game is going to be Chris, his younger brother, Archidiacono. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I wouldn't bet against Jay Wright because the guy knows how to flat out coach, and they're going to grind this down to exactly the kind of game they played against Houston, where, you know, first team to get to 55 or 60 wins. Um, I think they can do it against Kansas. I think these. The, these Duke and North Carolina teams are playing 
really unbelievably well. And I, I, I'll say this, like, I guess people were mocking the thing about coach K when he said, you know, when he came out and he said that that was unacceptable, unacceptable. I think his players heard it. I, I think his players heard it. And he, I think the way they, they responded to him has been pretty special. Yeah. Can you imagine Duke in the final game? I mean, the, they're in the national championship game for coach K's last game. I'm like, how can you bet against Duke? Well, Bob, if that happens, are you rooting for them or against them? I'd give my right nut for either Kansas or Villanova to knock them off. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> All right, there you go. I hear you. <laughs> what kind of question saying, is that, Milk? They will. Those players will die before they let themselves lose that game. Like, no way. Coach K's final game. So I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, on Saturday or Monday. But I will tell you this: the winner of Carolina Duke has got to be very careful that they don't celebrate and think that they have finished, you know, the fight. Right. There are some historically interesting, you know, final four. Remember Fi Slam Ajama in 1983 versus yeah. Louisville in the Duncanstein game of all time, right? Well, who won the national championship that year? Hmm. Little school out of Raleigh called NC State. Mm-hmm. Good Houston took its eye off the ball because they thought they'd won the championship when they beat Louisville in the semis. Um History is replete with semifinal big, big matchup winners losing the national championship and becoming a footnote in history. So warning to either Duke or Carolina, Kansas is more than a, I mean, look at what Kansas did in the second half against Miami, who was playing really well. They outscored them by 32 points. Nobody wants that Kansas team house. If you guys get that Kansas team, y'all have no chance, but I'm not sure you're going to get that team. They, they were never They've out of the very top streaky. 10 this year. First of all, that was against Miami. Let's keep that in perspective. <laughs> Second yeah, of all, it's Kansas. It's it's Kansas. Kansas does what they always do. They will lose. I, I have Villanova big in that game. That it's they're not going to the finals. No let way. Me, you Go guys, ahead, let me let me let, well, let me just. I, I want to ask uh, maybe an unpopular take here, but. I've been a little surprised today. The number of people I've come in contact with who some people who really know college basketball, who find this final four to be completely and utterly boring. Oh God. Who are are these people? Yeah. Seriously. You want St. Peter's? Well, everybody wants St. Peter's. Of course. uh, Yeah. But I I mean, not even St. Peter's like there's, I mean, it is a little, Boring, isn't it? What is boring no. about this? What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, what? I mean, it's the same old teams. It's always, you know, do we really do people really want another Duke North Carolina game to be the center of, of the oh. basketball weekend? Do this we have is your football football never this is played football each other in the tournament team. before. Yeah, I know. This, yeah. this Bison, you're making the college football playoff argument. I've heard right this now. before. It's right. the same old team. Now, if Carolina had been, you know, the Alabama of basketball and goes to the final game, you know, five out of six years, I think you got a good point. And they always play Duke and they always play Kansas or Kentucky. You know that, I mean, if you look at the top five programs and Villanova throw them in there too, I mean that you would see them consistently every year in the final four. So that doesn't happen. So when it happens, it's like the universe finally is giving us a blue blood final four that the basketball nuts are just in love with. I mean, I, I get it. Person on the streets, like, you know, I want some Cinderella story. Fine. 
but give us this final four because it's gonna be fucking awesome. I mean, it's more. It, it would be more interesting if Gonzaga were there to me. It would. But yes. They, they were there last year. Right. And choked. By the way, Gonzaga is now like. Um, we're not gonna call them a blue blood. True. But they're like true. Kind of a blue true. blood. Like they, uh, they're for like for twenty five years now. Well, but I think you can't go ahead, look, Mister. Look, you there are also a, a lot blood. of ex-blue bloods that could be back as blue bloods, which tells you that there's a fair amount of rollover of this. Like Michigan is is nowhere near being a top team right now, but they historically have been. UConn's been good. Georgetown's been good. So, you know, things change, and it's not like Alabama every year. I agree with Pope. It, it does change over. Here's but my milk, question. Milk, you can't be a blue blood unless you've won a natty. At least one natty. I mean, Gonzaga hadn't won anything. I'm sorry. I'm not calling him a blue butt. I, I agree. But I remember the Gators getting knocked out by Gonzaga in the late 90s. Like, they've been they've been around. Um, but, yeah, you've got to win a national championship. All right. Here's my question to you guys. Here are the four key players, one for each team. You tell me who is the most important to winning a Final Four amongst these four teams. Paolo Bonchero on Duke. Armando Baycott on UNC, Oche Agbaji on Kansas, and Colin Gillespie on Villanova. Who is the most important of those to their team winning a national championship? Where do you want to start? You Gillespie. go, Pope. Banchero. Banchero? If Banchero plays to his talent level, he's the best player in the tournament, and he's only a He's only a freshman, but he has, he's six ten. He can hit the three. He can post up inside. He's got, he's got everything. He's got the package. When he plays at his talent level, he will, he will put Duke on their back and carry him. Now they can win without him. I mean, AJ Griffin and Roach, uh, Mark Williams. I mean, they, they have some, they have some major studs, but Ben Caro is the difference maker. Um, I mean, I would say Baycott, but it's Carolina can win without Baycott. They, Ben Chera will carry Duke if they're going to win it. Well, I, it's tough. It's a tough decision between all four of these because to your point, Pope, that Kansas team was a totally different team in that second half because it's the first time Agbaji showed up and took over a game and he's unstoppable once he does. Baycott was like the kryptonite to Duke in that game. Right. He was yep. He was unbelievable. But Gillespie sets the tempo, sets the tone. He takes the shot clock all the way down. He makes the key shots. Guard play is normally what wins. If Gillespie has two great games, Villanova is going to get a third title. If he doesn't have two great games, then I think your champ is on the other side. I think it's from one of the ACC teams. That's my that's my thought. Uh, yeah, I went with Gillespie too because it seems to me that Villanova, especially with their second leading scorer out, they really have to stick to what's been working, which is I think they're shooting over 80% from the free throw line and they're keeping the other team down to about nine turnovers a game. And a lot of that is in Gillespie's hands. And now he's got to score more. So, I mean, you don't have a chance if he plays poorly. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, I agree. So listen, we got... Uh, Open receipt of their house. We have, two, yeah. we have two SMQBs who have their teams playing in the, in the final four. Um, this raises a tough question though, because some of us have rivalries with these schools and natural rivalries. 
can you can you root for your buddy's team if it's your rival? Like, can you do that? Like, if you're if your buddy's team is is in the championship and they're like your hated rival, right? Like, do you root for them just for your friend's sake? No. (laughs) I disagree. I disagree with you. Are you kidding me? Go no. Like, I'm gonna. So, if my friend, let's say, loves Florida State and they're in the national championship game. In football, I have to root for Florida State. Fuck no! Hell no! Right, Just hard no on this. <laughs> Hell no! My wife went to Florida State. I wish nothing but death on that school. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. wow! 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 Okay, wow. Sorry, I'm getting, it's getting a little heated. How so much okay. for slapping okay. your face? Okay, Will Smith. My wife's name out of your mouth. I, I don't have that's I don't have any quickly. friends who went to Duke. <laughs> Who like true friends. So that's <laughs> kind of an issue. <laughs> but I would oh, look, I would you know, I don't I don't see Carolina and Villanova as being huge rivals. So I would root for Villanova in a heartbeat over the other teams for sure. Did you guys remember when you were playing sports and a team beat you and you were like congratulating them saying now you gotta go win it? Now that we're out, you have to go win it. No. That's that's kind of the attitude I, I have. And for like, I would root for either one of Pope's or House's teams. And to me, the tiebreaker is I'm a Big East guy. So that breaks the tie. I'm going to root, root for the Big East. And I know you guys are like, oh, you can't just root for your division rival. That's even worse. So, but so I think I'm with you, Rooster. I think it's, I, I think um, I see a dividing line between different sports for this. Yes. And I don't, there's really no yes. logic to this. But when you talk about like the NFL, like I don't want the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Eagles to win a I game think that's true. all year. Period. Let alone a Super yeah. Bowl. And right. I don't care if your team is there and one of you is looking forward to seeing your team win the Super Bowl. And you've, you know, I don't care. I don't want you winning that game. I don't want you getting there. I don't want you winning that game. I don't want anything good happening to your team ever, ever. Period. College basketball, personally. I'm a Big East guy, too. I'm pulling for Villanova. Uh, You know, I mean, it doesn't hurt that we haven't been a rival with anybody for a long time, but I'm rooting for the Big East team to win. Yeah, but you've got to distinguish between rooting for someone in the conference and rooting for your team's biggest rival. Like, Pope is never going to root for Duke in any capacity in any way. I hope that's pretty clear by now. Yeah, but he he might root for an ACC team to win over a Big Ten team. Maybe. Oh, see, look, I, right. I, I rooted for Virginia to win. Right. One a couple of years ago. I will root for, for an SEC team to beat another conference team. I will never root for Georgia. I think right. Bison's I, I, right, though. The hardest one to, to get your head around is NFL football because it's such an intense, um, condensed schedule that you just can't root for the, oh, anyone in the division. But as I've told you guys many times, and you've mocked me every time, when I was growing up, <laughs> I hated every team in the AL East until the Yankees were out of it. And then I would root for whichever AL East team was still left. That's Ugh. insane. God, that Including insane. the Red Sox. Red Including Sox, Red Tigers, Sox? Orioles, didn't matter. If they were in the World Series, yeah. I was well, rooting was for that. them because they were from the best division in baseball. Yankees, Red Sox, that's really pretty – that's a tough one. Hey, I the only time like I would John- ever root for them is if the Yankees were out of the playoffs and they were in. And I was He's only like Johnny rooting Damon. for their he- fans, not really for them. Johnny Damon, you go yeah. between them. 
So, I think it's somewhat geographical. I think it's somewhat geographical because you guys in the South, college sports is everything to you. Like I almost see you capable, Milk, of rooting for an NFC South team to win the Super Bowl if the Bucks were out, but you could never do that for Georgia or for Alabama or for FSU. Whereas yes. for me, like I can't do that in the professional sports, but college sports, I feel differently. I will say this. Pope is a bigger man than any of us on, on this podcast because when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and we were in Hawaii together, uh, Pope came down after the game, had a green eagle shot with me, and him and Jim Mitchell, like doofuses, were singing the Eagles fight song. Had, That's something you guys moment. could never do. I was wow. drunked. No, I was drunked. This is breaking news. I'm not. I'm not. That makes that makes him a bigger man. I, I, I think know. it I makes him a kiss. I got a different word. I, I got a different word for what it is. Loser. I have like, no wow. idea what you're talking about. The bottom loyalty to your team. If if this gets to UNC versus Villanova, it sounds like Roosters, Villanova, and Nace's Villanova. Yeah, they were in 2016. All right, then I'm rooting for UNC to be different. Yeah, uh, milk, bring you, it. Milk. But fuck but if you, it's milk. Kansas UNC, I'm I'm rooting for UNC. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, because I don't have any. Don't worry about Kansas. Big East connection. Uh-huh. Well, last thing on on uh, the final four and, and and March Madness right now is, I mean, we got to say something nice about St. Peter's and the Peacocks, right? I guess. Yeah, what a great story. I mean, <laughs> it's first a great 15 story. seed to make it to the Elite Eight. Absolutely. Yeah, that it's was a great, great story. It was a great run. It's it's and their cute. coach is about to be rewarded handsomely. I hope yeah. so. That that was my favorite part of their whole story is this coach. Yeah, what Shaheen. a lovable coach, Shaheen Holloway. My gosh. He was making like 250 a year and he beat uh what's his name at Kentucky, who's making what Cal was Curry. it five or eight million a year that oh, ton. Yeah. He's I he's lo- definitely the next Avery Johnson of whatever though because he's such a soft spoken guy. Oh my God! Please don't. I can't take that Mil- voice. Milk. Why why don't you love the story, Milk? I think it's cute, but look, <laughs> the, the NCAA basketball this is every. It's like we have the fun stories for the first week. Somebody the upsets, but this all sorts out at the end. Here we are, Kansas Villanova UNC Duke. I don't remember who it was last year, Houston. I mean, it's always the top teams. Very rarely at the in the final four or in the final game is it not a top five seed, right? So it's like, you know. But can I, I ask you guys for, this? Carol, Carolina's eight seed this year. That's but way They're a blue blood. Was St. Peter's beating Purdue and Kentucky and Murray State or were these teams just sucking it, each one of them for these games? I, like, were St. Peter's really winning it on merit for each of these games? Yes, absolutely. And it just shows you, it shows you how how deep, you know, the talent pool sort of is out there. I mean, these guys, you know, you could probably take a bunch of those guys off that St. Peter's team individually, and they would fit in at a blue blood. Since we can't stop using that word tonight. They would fit in on a program, right? Now, not the whole team, not the starting five, and they might not see much playing time, but they've got guys who are good enough players to make the team at some of these, at some of these schools. They're, they're good teams. Look, I think the, the most surprising win for them was Purdue. 
Purdue, really? who had all of this time to prepare at once they became real. Kentucky, I almost every damn player on that Kentucky team is better than all those guys on St. Peter's. And I just think this, I don't know what happened there. Snuck well, I mean, Barkley skewered Cal. He said it was a uh, or a produce coach, Matt Painter. He says a horrible game plan. I agree. A hor- I mean, it, that was you, coaching you have, right there. You have two seven footers. You saw what Carolina did with Baycott. He got 20 points and 20 rebounds. You just per- keep pounding it inside and let him draw the fouls. So I, I, right. I agree. But I think that was great coach. That showed me that, oh, wow, this guy can coach St. Peter's. Well, St. Peter's gave Kentucky, Murray State, and Purdue fits because they had a four-guard lineup, and they just kept coming at you. They were they were in your face. They were quick. They were able to get their threes off. They played with amazing confidence. Um, you know, Kenny Smith said something on the pregame yesterday, which was interesting. He said that Carolina, you know, what they need to do is they need to get out and assert their dominance and show them what kind of program Carolina is. He goes, R.J. Davis, he was the best – of those guards in the East, because he came out of New Jersey, he was the best. And the guys who went to St. Peter's, he played against them. He needs to remind them who he is and why he's at Carolina. And, you know, for whatever reason, Kentucky and Purdue, and I'm not sure as much about Murray State, they didn't just step on them in the beginning. They gave them hope. And that was their problem. I mean, Carolina got out to a 20-point lead and game was over. St. Peter's can't play from behind. The other three teams gave them oxygen and, and uh, you know, that, that's all about coaching. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun story. It was. It was. What's all next? Right. All right. Well, next, we actually got a couple of mailbag entries here. So, uh, hey, a couple, couple of our new. fans. Is this our, yeah. Is so, this our first mailbag? I think it is. I think it is. Oh so, God. let's let's get to the first one here. Let's see. Let's open uh, the sack. If Oof. we can uh, make this work. And email uh, or no, no, this is this is we got a little video action. Oh, oh we have a video. Yeah, now. He's, got okay. the, he's got the SMPB's t shirt and everything. Oh, Check it out. Here we go. Yeah, go. Hi, this is Henry Landis. I'm coming to you from Loveland, Ohio, which is just outside of Cincinnati, which, as you guys probably know, is the um football capital of the United States. As we had two teams uh competing for championships this year, the Bengals and also the Cincinnati Bearcats in college. But today, for you um, SMQB podcasters, I have a baseball question for you. And during COVID, um, there were a couple rule changes that were made by baseball to shorten games and also um, mainly um, protect the players and pitchers. One of them was um, uh, using the seven inning uh, double header rule to shorten those games. And they're not gonna be doing that this coming season. But Thank one God. rule they are going to keep is the, the ghost runner rule, no. which um, is the rule where they place a runner at second base in extra inning games in order to speed those games up and, again, um, protect the pitchers. I've heard a lot of uh, debate on this rule, both on the positive and the negative, probably more on the negative. So I thought I would uh, ask you guys on the SMQB podcast that are knowledgeable sports fans and also Rooster, um, what you guys thought of this rule. So I will um, wow. look forward to your banter and your discussion on it as I drive around in my car this week and listen to episode number 58, which I assume will be the uh, Jack Lambert episode. Hey. Wow. Hey. Right, wow. Take care. Well, 
right. Oh, well, well, well done. Oh, well done there. I, thank you, I, hear, I hear you, Henry, from the city of second place finishers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really? He attacked you, Rooster. Mocking the Rooster. He sort of did, yeah. yeah. Wow. What do you think? What do you think, Bison? Oh, this is a travesty. I mean, I thought we were done with this Ghost Runner yes. thing. It's it apparently like it was out and then it reared its ugly head and somehow came back. I, I don't understand. Like, who wants this? Why? Why are we doing this? It's so terrible. It's, it's a awful. travesty. It has nothing to do with merit. It, it has nothing to do with who played well during the game. They just get a guy on second. The fastest it's, guy in the team just gets to walk out there and start on second base. It's a I little league it. trick. It's I a little it. league trick. I it's stupid. It. I'd be more in favor of the set seven inning double header rule if they no, would let the let a perfect game count pitched Isn't, in in a well, seven inning game. Well, Mace wanted to give people no hitters for throwing seven innings of no hit ball. But that's a travesty in itself. Isn't baseball a better sport when it's like a three game series and in game two, the teams had to stretch it to 14 innings, used up all their pitchers. Now they're short staffed the next day. It's that's what baseball is all about. Why can't these leagues get overtime right? The NFL can't get yeah. overtime right. No kidding. Right. Major League Baseball can't get it right. Why is this so complicated? Just leave I, it the yeah. fuck alone. I don't think people are upset about uh, extra inning games. What they're upset about is slow play during regular innings one through nine. Right. Um, every Rays game that. I watched last year that had this with the Ghost Runner went 12 or 13 innings because they would yeah. each score one run and then they'd go to the next yeah. inning. Yeah. It, it, it was hard. It didn't help. Yeah. It also just gives the first team up such an unfair advantage based at, which is based on nothing, but who's the home team and who's the away team. But thanks it's very much for team. calling in Henry. We, yeah. we love the question. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Okay. We got another one. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we're getting popular. Very. Yeah. Okay. Share. And this is one from. Uh, oh, oh, God. Wait, I recognize that guy. As a, an occasional contributor to the SMQBs as a guest host. <laughs> I felt like an overstatement. Upon myself. Yeah, twice. Easy <laughs> comment to House regarding the Philadelphia 76ers after the loss to the undermanned Toronto Raptors. The Raptors sit in seventh place in the Eastern Conference and were without Freddie Van Vliet the other night. The Sixers had a 16-point lead in the first quarter and ended up losing to the Raptors. Despite the fact that the Sixers beat the Mavericks and beat the Heat without James Harden and Joel Embiid, this Sixers team is in trouble. James oh. Harden has never wow. won anything. Uh -oh. He's opinion out of there. shape, he sulks, and he's a ball hog. Told you what to And the last oh. time... Is there the a question coming? Is there a question the in there? My recollection Holly? is... That the Sixers went home after Kawhi Leonard hit a buzzer beater. Wait, that wasn't a question. Mm. Was, was that uh, a question? That was just a taunt. That was just thank, a taunt. Think, thank you, Napoleon from up north. Thank you, Napoleon from up north. We we like your audition tape, and it's formally rejected. You remain on the cutting room floor. <laughs> Keep House's name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> He, he taunted in a mailbag? Oh, wow. You, you guys know the 
What Paul Miller wanted us to talk about this week was whether or not professional golfers should be able to spit tobacco on golf courses. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please. You don't, don't you rip on kids. We, we oh. SMQBs have more serious things to tackle. Alex, you, you, your, sixers are, your Sixers are in trouble, though, aren't you? Aren't you a little nervous? Um, until we lost in the fourth quarter of the Phoenix Suns yesterday, we're the first place team in the East. I was getting nervous about the Boston Celtics. They suffered a devastating injury yes, they did. this the last 24 hours, and Robert Williams uh, hurt his knee, and he's out for the next few weeks at least. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Kyrie now being able to play. By the way, I guess – I hadn't even thought of this as a punchable face, but New York City and Eric Adams deserves a punch for selling out to the Yankees and the Mets. They wouldn't do it for the Nets, but once the Yankees and Mets said, well, wait a second, we need Aaron Judge to play at our home games. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have to be vaccinated and you can still play at home games. So it'll be interesting to see if Kyrie and the Nets can get it together in chemistry in time. I still think they're the dangerous one. I, I, I'm going to overlook the Bucks, but I think it's I think it's Sixers Nets. I think it's Sixers Nets. Right. I mean, like so, who? Let's say you get first first. Uh, uh, what number four? You play the number five team. Who, who would that be right now in the East? Cleveland or Chicago? And who would be this? You know, the seven. The seven would be. Uh, I guess you don't really know because of the play-ins, right? Yeah, I think it's the Nets right now. Right, I mean. Nets or the Raptors. So. They're eight now. I don't know. I think those four teams are so interchangeable in the East right now. I mean, you you could get number one seed, have home court, and it won't. you lose one game in a series, and it won't matter. You guys are just going to slugfest. Well, stick a fork in the heat after that Spolster Jimmy Butler thing. You can stick a fork <laughs> in that, Ooh, that team. They, yeah. they can't stand each other. They can't brutal. stand each other. They How can't. about the no, Warriors? And the Warriors in the West have lost uh, in the last twenty-one games. They've won seven games. They're yeah, they're seven yeah. and fourteen. Look, they're only two games ahead of the Mavs now, who beat the uh, Jazz last night to get the fourth seed. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't see in eight games catching the Warriors, but they're. Whoever's going to play in the first round, they may not be as in uh, and, unbeatable as you think. And the Wizards are doing their damnedest to stay out of the lottery, uh, which makes no sense at all, and beat Golden State last night. Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Let's. Uh, we had a little preview, preview or two. This may be remembered as the punchable face of the week episode. Thank you, Will Smith. But let's have uh, an actual punchable face. Who's got one? Come on, man. Um, if you guys have one, cause I have a little one, uh, and not, you know, uh, kind of like a Will Smith open, open palm. Yeah. yeah. Like, a, slap. like a slap. I've got, I've yeah. got a slap too. You oh, go. good. Just, good. Just, just go. I've been working on anger punch. management. So I've, I, you guys got <laughs> two, two, slaps, two slaps equals a punch. Yeah. <laughs> you first house. I just, I think. The Cleveland Browns deserve a punch for the way they rolled out Deshaun Watson and that whole situation. Uh, I mean, I realize that they they have to unveil their new star quarterback. They spent a lot of money. But, I mean, how tone deaf can you be? Um, 
as to what's going on right now with that whole situation. You want to say this is our, our quarterback and we believe in him and we're going to support him. That's fine. But you know, and you could say this without, without accusing your quarterback, you could just talk about either violence against women or sexual assault against women. Say this has brought up a conversation that while we believe Deshaun Watson, this has brought up a conversation that requires our seriousness uh, as, as role models, as ownership in a, in a team. And so we're going to pay Deshaun Watson, but we're also going to contribute to the community, the Cleveland domestic abuse, sexual abuse, sexual abuse survivors. We're going to pay $5 million, whatever. They just swept the whole thing under the rug and worse yet said that they had done a thorough investigation. And then the lawyer for the accusers came out and said, they never contacted me or any of the accusers. So I don't know what kind of investigation they did, but they certainly didn't ask any of the women. I just thought their statement was bullshit, unnecessary bullshit. And the way they did not manage the subject uh, deserves at least, I, I think it at least deserves a body blow. Is, is he now the highest paid quarterback in the uh, NFL? Most no. guaranteed money. Most guaranteed thirty million. What's, guaranteed. what's he making a year? No, uh, he got an eleven million dollar raise without having played it down in over a year, and he's got I think two hundred thirty million of his contract is guaranteed. Yeah, I so, thought it was still Rogers, but it could be. No, no, you're right. It is Rogers. Rogers on an annual average annual value, right? Yeah, because he's getting fifty fifty mil a year, isn't he? Yeah, he's getting fifty. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. All right. Are well, you slapping milk? We'll slap milk. Who are you? Who are you punching? I would. I would like to slap. I'm not going to punch. I'm going to slap HBO. Does anyone know why? No. 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 So HBO they cut, they announced today picture. that they have picked their hard knocks. Oh, oh is it the Bucks? The, is it the, the Bucks? Hell it is? No. No, Rooster. <laughs> it is the Detroit. Fucking lions. Do you oh, that should be highly entertaining country? with that lunatic oh. coach. Yeah, that's the only reason. By the well, way. we can see the knee biting drills. Unless that, what is his name? Dan Campbell. Yeah. Unless he is eating players or biting something. This is the stupidest hard knocks ever. They're a horrible team. I give two shits about them. So does everybody else. I don't know. I you feel like you could Jared awesome. Goff versus some Jared. random quarterback they draft. Oh my God. It's just horrible. Anyways, I thought they deserved a slap. Kind of nice stopped watching that anyway. A little nice little slap. Yeah. I like hard yeah. knocks. I don't, I don't think I've ever anymore. watched an episode. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it. It was great early on, but it's gotten dull. Huh. Much right. better programming on. Well, do we have anything nice to say about anyone tonight? Can we no. do a lasso maybe? It's through St. Peter's too. I have a nice. <laughs> I have a nice one. Um, no, talk- why so angry? Two weeks away. Yeah, angry. He's been away. Wow, must have been a really lovely He's time. Beside himself, the Villanova's in the final four. I like yeah. to quash the rumors now that I did not die, and I'm not looking at other podcasts to go on to. No, I, I don't know. Uh, there were some rumors going around. I know. 
Tim and Tim those. up north, the TNT they're, boys were there. I don't know. They're looking for you. They weren't going to pay <laughs> me enough. Rooster, you got what do you got for a lasso? Yeah. So you guys remember back during Euro 2020 when um, Christian Erickson had literally died on the pitch um, playing for Team Denmark. It was, it was, it reminded me of when I was unsure of what was going on on 9-11. Of course, 9-11 got to be exponentially more frightening, but just, you know, just the fear of, of wondering what in the world's happened to this guy was awful. Never thought he'd live, let alone come back and play. They, you know, they, they, they jolted him back to life, thought he'd never play again. He's now 30 years old. It's 287 days since then. He's got a, he's been fitted with a implantable cardioverter defibrillator. And um, he just entered a game Sunday um, against Netherlands in an international friendly, which is also the home field of one of his former teams, Ajax. So the fans were like going berserk when he came in the game as a sub. The first time he touched the ball, he scored. It was awesome. And it was a great, it was a great score too. And he almost got a second goal shortly after that hit the post. So, I mean, it's just a beautiful story that he's back. He seems to be, you know, kind of conditioning himself coming off the bench still, but he's, he's been picked up by another uh, EPL team, Brentford after uh, international Milan had to let him go or inter Milan. I think it's called, I guess in their league. What's the name of that league? Serie A? Is that it? Syria. 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 They're not allowed to have players on their team who have defibrillators. So he, they caught him. They had to. Uh, oh. And he and he just got picked up and is playing again. He's wearing number 10 again for Denmark. And I think, you know, give him a little time. He'll be back in form and be a starter and back to his old self, it looks like. It's awesome. That's, that's an awesome story. It really is. And it was really yeah. cool to watch. But I, wait, I have a question. They actually have a rule that says you can't have defibrillators. Like, how often does this come up? I think it's probably a liability a thing. It's probably a liability lawyers, thing. They don't lawyers. want guys dropping dead on the field. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Good. That's a good. That's a good lasso, though. I, I yeah. like that story. So, Pope, I'm 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 a little nervous about where you're going with this lasso because <laughs> this one might not be unanimous. You got, I know you got one. What is- no, look, I mean, I, you know, you call them like you see them. We, we, we punched the hell out of uh, Juwan Howard for his antics post game uh, where he got a five game suspension for his um, punching the guy from Wisconsin uh, after that game and lost his temper and, um, you know, rightfully so. And there was lots of talk about how he maybe he shouldn't even be coach anymore. And uh, he's not suited for college coaching, letting out any coaching. Um, After he came back from suspension, Michigan, uh, they got in, you know, had to been one of the last teams to get in uh, to the tournament. They uh, had a play in game and uh, they made a nice little run, um, including beating Tennessee in the sweet 16. Uh, And so, you know, the feel good moment out of that and why I think it's eligible for a lasso is, because Juwan Howard, as you can see in the picture behind me, our fans, I'll tell you, this is Kennedy Chandler, guard from Tennessee at the end of the game. He's sobbing uncontrollably in Juwan's chest as he's consoling him. Uh, so Kennedy Chandler played 
AAU ball with Juwan's son, Jet. And so Juwan knew Kennedy, and Kennedy was recruited by Juwan, decided to go play for Rick Barnes at Tennessee. After the game was over, he was already starting to cry in the line, and Juwan, you know, kind of took him aside and just let him get it out. And, I mean, you know, it's almost like a father-son relationship because he knew him through his son. But, I mean, Juwan Howard, you say all the things you want about him, but but he's a good guy, and I think he showed – uh, the world, you know, his bad side, but he showed the world his good side. I think we should call him out for what he does bad. And I think she would praise him for what he does good. And if I'm a mom or a dad and I see this, I think Juwan Howard is more than suitable to take care of my son over the next four years at Michigan. And so I felt like he deserved a lasso because this is what it's all about. All right. Okay. Well, well at least there's no Juwan pushback. Howard. <laughs> Silence is deafening on that one. <laughs> so I mean, he's, we're still he's getting amazing. over the fight. So if he's Will amazing. Smith goes to the next awards ceremony and hugs someone who <laughs> yeah. lost, that, right. we, we're going to give him a lasso now. Wow! <laughs> Juwan's been turned on. <laughs> Juwan Howard, amazing guy when he wins, asshole when he loses. <laughs> amazing guy when he wins and knows a kid on the other team. <laughs> yeah. Fuck all of them. Crucified for a lasso, my God. <laughs> all right. Oh boy. Okay. All right. We got a couple quick hitters here to wrap it up and take us out of here. And, and I'm gonna start with one. Um man, we've we've been talking Formula One and wow, what a race uh yesterday. The second uh Second race of the season, and boy, it showed hopefully what we're, we can expect all year with the uh, wheel-to-wheel racing. Uh, these new the cars are supposed to be able, uh, you know, that to, to hang closer to each other with some of the design changes and everything. And I think what what people didn't know is if it would allow for more passing, right? They knew they'd be able to hang tighter, but how would the passing be? And over the first two races of the season, we have been treated to uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc going wheel to wheel, passing each other on you know uh, uh, consecutive turns, basically in straightaways, and battling it out. And I mean, even yesterday, uh, Verstappen passed Leclerc, I think, with two laps to go, maybe three, uh, and you just didn't know if Leclerc was going to catch him. Ultimately, Verstappen held on, but. The racing was so good that Leclerc even pulled up next to Verstappen after the the they crossed the finish line and gave him the thumbs up. And both guys in their in their pressers after were saying how exhausted they were and how much you know good clean racing it was and how fun it was for them. So uh, you know if yesterday's any indication, this is going to be a really great season. Ferrari's back. Yep. Even the even the two Alpine guys going at each other was amazing yes, racing. That was yes. hilarious. And this, yeah. there's new the new strategies are are interesting to see unfold too. There was a I think it might have been in this race a few laps earlier, and also in race one where Leclerc purposely let someone pass so that he then gets the what is it DSM or what DRS DRS and re, and, yeah. and passes him again on the straightaway and, and blows by him. So it's, it's, and Max didn't figure that out until the very end of the race. Yeah, it's fun. It's going to be a fun season. So, all right. Anybody else with a quick hitter? We- 
got to um, give an Olay to the USA men's national team. Uh, this Wednesday will be their final game of qualifying. And unless they uh, don't give up a goal differential of six goals, they are returning to the World Cup. They play Costa Rica yes. on Wednesday. And uh, Canada has won our group. Uh, and so we'll technically get the better seed coming out of our group. But USA and Mexico are tied. Uh, but USA has a better goal differential and how much they've outscored teams. So they would be second. And if Costa Rica were to beat the USA in Costa Rica, although they would have the same amount of points as USA, they would lose out on goal differential. Top three from our group get an automatic bid, and the fourth-place team gets to play in a playoff against other fourth-place teams around the world. But the USA, as long as they don't lose by more than six goals, they return to the World Cup. They've got a fantastic young team led by Christian Pulisic, who plays on Chelsea. And it's going to be really exciting in Cutter this fall. Patrick for Captain America. Yeah. 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 That was awesome. Really really, really great to see U.S. men's soccer That final goal where he got the ball off his foot, then he nutmegged uh, the defender and just slid the ball right past the goalie. That, I mean, that's, that was beautiful. I think he's a top 20, 25 player in the world right now. Gotta, we really got to stop this this coming into second place to Canada shit, though. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Right. I got yeah, a quick I, update I on, on our Brittany Griner story. Um, Lisa Leslie, a Hall of Fame a WNBA star uh, from the past, came out today and basically said, that the uh, SMQBs had it spot on in our last episode. And indeed, the the WNBA and everyone involved in women's basketball has been told to keep it under their hats. Don't provoke the situation. Don't start some free Britney campaign. Just don't try to raise the, um, you know, the heat on this because they have been told that the U.S. government does not want her being turned into more of a pawn than she already is by, by Russia. So that was interesting. And the other piece of news was, I guess someone from our consulate met with Brittany Griner and said she's at least healthy and doing well. So let's, let's hope she comes home soon. Free Brittany. I love it. Free Brittany. Uh, I know we're out of time, but we promised one of our fans uh, when, when she heard that we were going to be doing a free Brittany series on the SMQBs, our fan, Jesse Herman, Thought that that meant free Britney Spears, so we do. Oh, we do owe Jesse Herman a Britney Spears episode one of these times. That's right. Sorry, Jesse. Nace, you <laughs> you follow her on Instagram, right? I've oh, seen a boy. few few pictures that have been circulated. It sounds like a good place to stop this week. Have a good week, everybody. All right,
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.